everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint, your host, all eyes on Kenosha, Wisconsin, as Kyle Rittenhouse's trial goes to jury. Closing arguments were made Monday, and uh, the Kenosha County judge, Bruce Schroeder, has allotted two and a half hours each to the prosecution and Rittenhouse's defense. He did so before the jury begins deliberations into the then 17-year-old's triple shooting at riots last summer. Rittenhouse was 17 when he shot three people, two fatally, during Black Lives Matter riots. And, uh, you know, the media has done a lot, I think, to stoke the uh, the tension and the animosity. And the media in this country, I believe, is evil. And they are fomenting revolution. They're doing their utmost to divide Americans one against another. And when you look at the three people this young man shot, and I'm not defending the fact that he shot these people, but I mean, he was in fear of his life. He felt he had to shoot these people or else they were going to kill him. They threatened to kill him. He felt threatened. He did the right thing. He's alive today because of it. This Joseph Rosenbaum, one of the guys who he shot and killed, this guy uh, grabbed the barrel of of Rittenhouse's gun, according to testimony. He had sex with a minor. He's a two-time domestic abuser. He's a bail jumper. I mean, he's a, he was a bad dude, Rosenbaum. The other two guys he shot also had criminal records. And uh, this Rose Crench and the other guy there, uh, Huber, we'll get to them in a second. Rittenhouse told the jury he felt that he, his life was at stake. He was closed off. He was scared. He was 17. And I'm hearing people say, but he shouldn't have been there. Why would he be there with, a, with an AR-15? Well, why wouldn't he be there? He didn't cross state lines. His father either lived there or was from there. He didn't want to see his town destroyed by these Antifa thugs and these Black Lives Matter people. Why were they there? They're threatening lives. They were armed. They were destroying property breaking glass and destroying people's homes and carrying clubs. They were allowed to be there, but Rittenhouse wasn't. I mean, the whole thing is just is utterly ridiculous. And again, the media is stoking this, uh, the, 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 these fires, this incendiary rhetoric, especially, for, well, not from idiots like uh, LeBron James, who made fun of Rittenhauer and he, when he broke down on the, on the witness stand. But the president, and I, you know, Joe Biden, I don't even want to call him president, Joe Biden called Rittenhouse a white supremacist, even though everybody involved in these shootings is white. Rittenhouse is white. Rosenbaum was white. Uh, the, uh, the dead man, again, is Rosenbaum, jo- Joseph Rosenbaum, uh, 26-year-old Anthony Huber. They're dead, and this Gage Grosskrauts is 27. And Grosskrauts admitted he pointed the gun at Rittenhouse first. He pointed a loaded pistol at Rittenhouse, at Rittenhouse, shot, and he didn't miss. And, uh, you know, but nobody's, what about the rioters? Are the rioters held to account for this? Is the media being held to account? No. It's just this young man, 17, now 18 years of age, who did what he had to do. He took care of business, and I'm all for it. We have a natural right to self-protection. Self-defense is a natural right. It precedes the Constitution. We don't need a Second Amendment right to protect ourselves if our lives are in danger or if we feel that our lives are in danger. A natural right is a God-given right. Rosenbaum's, or excuse me, uh, Rittenhouse's mother insisted her son was just one of the many who should not have been there 
when large swaths of Kenosha went up in flames during the BLM riots. He went down there that he went down there to help, is what his mother said, and he was chased by a mob. So he brought a gun for protection. Now I, I know the I saw a little bit of the prosecution try to trick him into saying, well, if you if you didn't bring the gun to shoot somebody, why did you bring it? He said, Well, I needed I felt I needed protection. But then they try to say that he didn't need protection. At the prosecution, the judge called out one of the prosecutors for the it's clearly uh, unethical behavior. And some of the uh, the methods used by the prosecution, they were clearly, uh, I think, doing things that were unconstitutional. And even the judge said, look, this is first-year law students know uh, not to handle the case the way you've handled it. I'm not going to get into specifics. I'm not an attorney. But the prosecution really dropped the ball in this case. And there was one charge that I'm hearing legal experts say that Rittenhouse could have been charged with, the, the weapons charge, an underage, a minor having a, a loaded firearm. But according to Wisconsin law, the defense attorneys pointed out today that uh, a minor is allowed to own, uh, have a firearm as long as the firearm is not short-barreled. And this wasn't. It was an AR-15. So uh, one of the uh, videographers uh, testified, Richie McGinnis testified, Rosenbaum chased Rittenhouse and lunged for his rifle right before Rittenhouse shot him. Military veteran Ryan Balsh also testified Rosenbaum threatened to kill Rosenhouse, or, or excuse me, Rittenhouse and others if he got them alone. Well, he didn't get that chance. This Grosskrentz, the only guy who was shot who survived, also admitted that it was that he was shot only after he pointed his own handgun at the teenager, who was already under attack. So anyway, the media, th- this is this is the takeaway for me. The media and the president, everybody's getting into the act here, uh, is really trying to stoke the flames. And I think this is going to be decided probably by the time you hear this, it'll uh, already have been decided. The uh, jury will announce its decision. That's what we're waiting on here. So these people, these three who he, who he shot, were are, are just bad dudes. I'm not saying they deserve to be shot and killed, but they they came to Kenosha looking to start up trouble and to cause trouble, and they got more than they bargained for. So again, by the time you're listening to this, the decision will probably already have been made. Just to finish up here, uh, Justin Blake, he's the 52-year-old uncle of the man paralyzed in the police shooting that initially set off this these riots uh, a year ago in August in uh, Kenosha. He insisted to NBC that most of the people seem as though they want a conviction. Well, as I wrote today in a column which is up on the... Uh, the BMG network under the PAC perspective, people in hell want ice water, as my father used to say, but they don't get it, do they? At least we don't think they do. Just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it. People want a conviction. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get a conviction. So the judge in this case, I love this judge, Kenosha County Circuit Judge Bruce Schroeder, uh, he's getting all kinds of attention. The media has got all kinds of issues with him. He's the longest serving judge in Wisconsin, And he got national attention and accusations of favor to the defense late last month when he said the people shot by Rittenhouse, the three thugs, couldn't be called victims during the trial because I guess he's barred the use of the of the word victims. It's a regular part of his courtroom practices. And the media, of course, has an issue with that. He also has a ringtone on his cell phone that plays Proud to be an American by Lee Greenwood. And I guess the media hates that because how dare a judge be patriotic? He's got to be a liberal. If you're a, you're a circuit court judge, you should be a liberal. And I think this guy was, I think Schroeder was appointed by, by a Democrat. But anyway, 
Uh, and then uh, he's being accused of having bias towards the defense, which is ridiculous. And I guess he made some comment about Asian food, and now that's getting attention. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. It's turning into a circus. I don't think Rittenhouse will be uh, convicted of anything when the smoke clears. And, you know, they're bracing for violence. The, uh, the governor, who I think has dropped the ball in this case, he's uh, got 500 National Guard troops on alert to help out uh, hundreds of local law enforcement officials. They're prepping for possible upheaval. I mean, the city is still, you know, in shambles, a lot of it. Businesses are still closed after the riots last summer, or a year ago last summer. Tony Evers, a Democrat, has dropped the ball there. President Trump told him when this was happening, President Trump said, look, I'll, I'll federalize the National Guard. If you call them in, we'll keep the peace. But he didn't do it. And all hell broke loose. So that's what's happening. Other things uh, to talk about here. we got a couple of minutes. The governor of Florida, this Ron DeSantis, he says he's not running in 2024. But if, if President Trump doesn't run again, I think DeSantis would be a great choice. He's threatened to send illegal immigrants who are flown to Florida to President Biden's home state of Delaware. And uh, he's getting really vocal about the president's uh, immigration policies. During a news conference last week, the, uh, the governor said his office is looking at legal avenues after his administration alleged about 70 flights of illegals were sent to Jacksonville, Florida. They were picked up by agents along the U.S.-Mexico border. So DeSantis said, we're going to get together and figure out what we can do in the immediate term to protect folks in Florida, as we told reporters, noting, noting his options are limited because the federal government controls the immigration policies and actions. And of course, federal government's doing nothing to protect our border, virtually nothing. But DeSantis said, look, if uh, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, then clearly the state should be able to come in and provide protections. And so that's what we're going to be looking to do. If they're going to come here, we'll provide buses, DeSantis said. And then he said, we'll send them right to Delaware, the illegals. As you know, the, uh, the governor signed an executive order in September barring Florida state agencies from helping the federal government transport illegal immigrants. So uh, that's what's going on there. Back to Black Lives Matter. We talked about the, uh, the case in Kenosha. There is a uh, number of Black Lives Matter activists, one in particular in New York City, threatening violence. If uh, the mayor-elect institutes tougher policies against uh, these uh, thugs, so this uh, group in New York City, the BLM group the, in New York City, promised violence if the mayor-elect Eric Adams, a Democrat, and a former law enforcement official, by the way, if Adams brings back the city's anti-crime units, which he claims he will do. And I'll give you the quote here from Hawk Newsom. If he, Adams, thinks that they're going to go back to the old days of policing, then we're going to take to the streets again. This guy co-founded Black Lives Matter of Greater New York. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed because we believe in defending our people. Well, the mayor has got to defend the entire city of New York. And can you imagine these people threatening violence? I, I don't know about you. If I were the mayor of New York City and somebody like that threatened violence, I would say, okay, well, go ahead, do what you got to do. I would crush that, those uprisings in any way that I had to do it. I would, they would go down to Chinatown, literally threatening violence against the city of New York. These people are flat-out communists, and they want to burn down the city. 
And of course, if you're the mayor of a city like New York, you cannot let that happen under any circumstances. But the anti-crime unit, I guess he, I guess Adams wants to bring back the planes, plainclothes division of the New York Police Department. And uh, so the, they want these plainclothes officers to investigate and respond to violent crime. Gun crimes are on the rise in the Big Apple. And the unit was shut down in June of 2020 following the killing of George Floyd. So Adams is a former NYPD officer, and he says he's going to bring back the unit when he's uh, sworn in in January. So I hope he, I hope he does. By the way, there's a uh, column up on the pack uh, called the Pack Perspective on this issue and how the left loves mob violence. They want the mob to decide things. The mob, they think, is going to somehow influence the verdict in Kenosha. But I don't think it will. And if they decide to, to uh, employ violence, I think the people, the governor of the state of Wisconsin, this Evers, Tony Evers, better better be up to the task. That's all we have time for. If you want to uh, listen to our fine shows, again, go to the bmgnetwork.com. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in, folks. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. <laughs>